0: Welcome to This Week in Witchcraft. The elements have been conquered with intense heat, and witchcraft has become more cosmopolitan. Can you spot it out in the wild?
1: Welcome to This Week in Witchcraft. I'm Dylan Hamilton, and with me are... Michael Dearham, David Casson And Andrew Hudson. This week we had a little bit of witchcraft sent in from us, actually out in the wild, and the local wild. Why don't you get us up to date on this, Michael?
2: Right so we were um spending some time together church family and a story was shared at the table about one of our families here at the church visited their local library and were confronted with uh witchcraft so one of the children of the mothers came up to uh the mom and said hey there's this display back here it's uh, it's kind of bad so mom goes to investigate And uh, the display says something like, how are you transitioning? It's kind of a question, you know, how are you transitioning? And it sounds like immediately this is a display for those who have gender dysphoria and are getting some kind of affirming uh, counseling along those lines who are possibly taking hormone therapy and looking at gender reassignment surgery, or possibly some other variant that would be associated with this term, transitioning. Well, when the mom investigated, it was something apparently benign and talking about transitioning from one grade to another, from, from one academic discipline to another, um, and what is a very hot topic, a very... Uh, alarming kind of word transitioning is being overlaid upon something that is very normative in the life of a child you know growing up and you know getting new skills and getting better at reading and those kinds of things is now being called transitioning so we we discussed it at the table, but this this is witchcraft in the following sense. We have a word that first of all was is a piece of magic and it was invented to describe several uh, iniquitous acts that are brought together in the name of of a man becoming a woman or a woman becoming a man or so on or god forbid a boy becoming a girl and a girl becoming a boy as they try to push this as early as possible so this word transitioning tries to hide all of the iniquity and the wickedness that is involved so it's an invented term so there's a problem there but now The term is then attached to other things that don't have anything to do with the original definition of the term. So we understand what the term transitioning means, but now it's being coupled with normal human development and activity. You know, growing up, reading, getting better in school, moving from one grade to another grade. These are are normative things for children, but now it's being called transitioning. It's been called transitioning. This is a bit of sorcery where you're combining these two things that, that don't belong together whatsoever. And the effort is to, to make this idea of transitioning benign, uh, normal for everybody. The claim is, you know, hey, everyone's transitioning. How are you transitioning? The assumption is in the question, right? How are you transitioning? The assumption is that you are So how is it that you are? The idea is to say, well, everybody is transitioning. Your transition may look different than somebody else's, but transitioning is normal, right? Morally normal in terms of society. society. It's socially normal, morally normal for everybody to be transitioning somehow, some fashion. And then that changes the ethical value of it. Uh, if, if everybody does it, it's normative, it's just human, everybody's transitioning. So that's the bit of witchcraft that we see out in the wild.
0: I do that every day. I go from my home to work. I'm transitioning.
2: Exactly. And just because somebody else is transitioning different, uh, Andrew, you know, why are you looking down on them?
0: Yeah, they may be going from work to home.
1: <laughs> exactly. The first thing that leaps up in my mind in this, and I know most people think the sexual perversion or the the sexual element of changing your gender but the first thing that comes to my mind is the transhumanism movement where it's i mean they are trying to norm uh, make normative the sexual side of it and this as well but i can see people transitioning from an analog life to a web3 life or a analog life to an uploaded life and That's one of the other angles that this could be pushed from as well is that new transhumanism that is slowly, I say slowly, quickly, but subtly coming down the pike at us. Science is transitioning. This actually leads back to one of our earlier episodes with the question of in the year 2022, it's the presupposition that everything is in progress, right? Like everything is in process. And a lot of people do it with theology as well. Yeah, we're... We don't need a biblical worldview. We've transitioned to this modern worldview. Right. And as soon as we as soon as we upload a little bit more, it's going to be even more modern. You know, as soon as we, we upload a little bit more of the the new cycle or the new science, it's going to be even more modern than it was before. Gotta
0: transition with it.
2: All right. So in order to counter uh, this witchcraft, we have to understand what it is at its core. And what it is at its core is again this radical meaning to the root, this radical uh, attempt to seize autonomy, uh, self-rule, so that everybody is transitioning, everybody is guiding themselves into the fullness of what they are to be. And this goes right back to Genesis 3 uh, that we read uh, not so long ago to answer a, a different question. But the serpent's claim... To the woman is that God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. in Meaning that enlightenment comes through you grabbing the reins of definitions of good and evil. As soon as you're able to define what is good for you and what is evil for you, your eyes will be opened and finally you will be like God. This is how you transition from being less than God to God. And again, witchcraft is the demonic appropriation of alternate authority. So this satanic lie is that if you will just simply take hold of your own definitions of good and evil, you will transition out from being less than less than a god to being a god in and of yourself. And as usual, the gods that men make are hideous, are just simply hideous the gods of the ancient pagans, you can look at the uh, the extant evidence, the archaeological digs. These are hideous things, demonic things, and it's still true today. And people are being uh, encouraged and even coerced into celebrating these hideous idols that are being manufactured manufactured through people trying to grab for themselves the fruit of the truth and knowledge of good and evil.
3: Any any word you speak against this? I mean, we we talked about this last time, members of uh, Finnish Parliament being I mean, taken to task and uh, possibly even thrown in prison for speaking out against something in society that doesn't match with the biblical standard. And you mentioned it, people being coerced into celebrating. You know, 20 years ago, this was a conspiracy theory. It says if you let them just live the way they want to live, leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Now, you are not allowed to just hey, live and let live. You want to go that way? Fine. I'm going to go this way, be and my house, we'll serve the Lord. No, you, you must celebrate. And if you don't, if you don't take this mark upon yourself, then you will be shut out of this society. You can't just say, hey, to each their own. You must celebrate you must give your that pinch of incense you You must say the words they're telling you to say. It's almost as if you're being drugged into their pagan temple and you must say their words of enchantment, their word their incantation, you must repeat their mantra, and if you do not, you will be eliminated.
0: Are you saying there's no neutrality?
3: Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is where the libertarians are wrong. You can't
2: actively support the free-living, free-loving, free-free liturgy of all various groups. And because everybody's supporting everybody else's freedom, then there will be no tyranny. Uh, In the the sense that, you know, if the Muslims have complete free reign to do whatever they want, and the LGBTQ, you know, non-binary, happy rainbow people... Do have everything that they want to do, and then that means that I can too. As long as everyone has maximum freedom, then I have maximum freedom too. This is where the libertarians are wrong. We're dealing with competing, not just competing worldviews, not just competing authority claims, uh, not just competing uh, structures. Uh, we're we're dealing with religion. We're dealing with religion, and there is no neutral ground. It's all or nothing. And we know from the scriptures that Christ wins and will bring all of his enemies into subjection under his feet. He's the one who's going to fight it. He's going to fight it and win it. He's going to conquer. And many, many, many family groups, tribes, nations, languages are going to stream into Mount Zion and give glory and honor to Christ. So he's going to win. He's going to win big. But there is no neutral ground. You are either in his kingdom or you are outside of it. You either kiss the Son, do homage to the Son, and are blessed to find refuge in Him, or you are on the other end of His iron rod. And that's the same way it is with the other religions. Mm-hmm. And they're all of a piece, because they're all funded from the Father of Lies. So, you know, how the operations are being seen today, you are, you had better celebrate... Mr. Thomas beating all those girls in the pool and getting first prize. And if you complain about it, interesting, I just saw a video of this, a woman is complaining and she's yelling and saying, that's not a woman. Look at that. That's not a woman. And then there's a male feminist standing right there next to her, cautioning her on you know her hate, her hate speech, telling her, you know asking you say, "Well, are you a biologist? Are you a biologist? Are you a biologist saying you know you don't know what you're talking about because you're not a biologist. In other words, let's be very clear here. Let's be very clear here in this neo-paganism in this in this postmodern neo-paganism, where there you know nobody can know anything unless you're an expert. Just take the word "expert" and flip it over and see what they mean by it. It means a priest. Are you a priestess? Are you a priest?" Do you have divine clairvoyance to declare what is objectively true in this situation? If you don't, then you don't get to speak. You don't get to speak because you're not a priest. You're not a priestess. So you just be quiet. And this is a religious war. People don't want to talk about it. Don't want to acknowledge it. But this is about those who are worshiping the Lamb, following the Lamb wherever he goes, singing the song of the redeemed, uh, being willing to to suffer for what we believe, finding comfort in the promises of Christ, versus those who are being deceiving and being deceived, and for them it's a zero sum game as well. You had better celebrate and say what they say and worship what they worship, or they don't want anything to do with you. And you have all of these you have all of these gaps in between where you, you apparently perhaps neutrality exists, but it's just a temporary illusion
1: because it's all competing eschatologies right like it, my god wins is on everybody's mind and i'm going to use the methods that my priests or that my scriptures have taught me to use in order to meet those ends and in every case we have whether it's muslim neo-paganism, christian they're working towards an eschatology Right, like they're they have their eyes on an end goal. We've been told to have our eyes on an end goal, and they're doing the exact same thing. And so it's just it's the game being played out towards those ends. But back to what you were talking about earlier about hideous gods, I find that particularly important point for me specifically because that's the thing that I pick out of things that are happening is what's being produced in this beautiful or is it ugly? Yes, with it being hideous gods. Don't we also have, I I was drawn back to Douglas Wilson's Angels in the Architecture that I read a few years ago. But don't we have demons in the architecture too that are built to these gods or to these autonomous humans as well? Like when you look at like modern architecture and the architects who built them, you walk into them, you're like, somebody's worshiping themselves here. Right? Like they, they want to show you what they can do rather than taking your focus and bringing it up to the one who created you like don't we have like an example of demons being in
2: architecture as well to all these hideous gods yeah there's it's interesting you know in the plains of shinar uh man gathered together to make a name for themselves and god came down and confused them and frustrated all of their efforts we just need me to remember what is what is man without god like go back to genesis 2 what is man without god Dust of the earth. Dust. He's just dust. He's just dust. Without God, without God breathing the breath of life into us and becoming a, a living soul and a fash, without that, without God, what is man? We're just dust. So when man tries to make a name for himself without God, what is that name? Ozymandias.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: yeah. That's right. Yeah, or an a synonym of Ozymandias is Ichabod mm. Uh in other words your name is Mud. You got nothing. You got nothing is hideous whatever it is.
3: But that's what you're saying is is the new religion. This neo-paganism the make make everything everything one all is god. I you know I am god. That is that's essentially exchanging god for a lie. It is a religion and even though they don't describe it in those those terms they're using those definitions they have their priests they have their their holy book they have their mantra and and they have their congregants
2: yes yes and they have their their giving
3: their tithes
2: and they have their damnation and they have their excommunications and they've got, they've got the whole, every single aspect of religion they've got and it's a, this neo, neo-paganism uh, oneness. Oneness versus two-ness, as Peter Jones would put it. But it's the same thing that C.S. Lewis observed many, many years ago was that when it all boils down, it's either Christianity or Hinduism. He said there's two options. And what did he mean by that? It was either, it's either two or it's one. There's either a creator who is outside of his creation imposing his standard upon it giving us his word or it's a big hideous blob that's your two options and nobody has ever escaped the velocity of that made escape velocity from that gravitational reality it's either two or it's one and in oneness we see absurdity in the twoness that we have god as creator and us as his creation we find truth we find goodness we find beauty Amen. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode
1: with a little bit of recommendation on content that we've either been helped by, edified by, or continually consuming at this very moment. And we'll start with you, Michael.
2: I want to recommend a book by Martin Lloyd-Jones called Spiritual Depression, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cure. Lloyd-Jones was uh, quoted as saying about uh, many things that he did in his life. And of course, he was a prolific uh, preacher and author that this is one that he was particularly moved by, its impact on the people that he tried to help with. So, in Spiritual Depressions, It's Causes and Cure, a book that I've read three times and have used in counseling and recommended to many people, 21 chapters basically talks, that uh, sermons that the good doctor uh, gave, uh, and he deals with uh, people as they are described in the Word of God, the way in which people deal with depression the way that God has made us and the way in which that we he has called for us to respond so it is a wealth of biblical counseling uh, and I found it to be personally deeply helpful
3: so I finished uh, just this past week it's a little book I've mentioned it before but it's a uh, Christianity and Liberalism by J. Gresham Machen. He is of uh, Princeton and ended up helping to form the uh, PCA and Westminster Seminary, came out of the the liberalism fighting the battle against uh, liberalism in the early 20th century. His whole thesis is that liberalism is a different religion. In this little book, he is dealing with many of the things that you had described just a little earlier. He's got this quote in it that I thought was incredible, talking about exchanging the liberal view for the Christian view, the change is nothing less than the substitution of paganism for Christianity as the dominant view of life. 75 years ago, Western civilization, despite inconsistencies, was still predominantly Christian. Today, it is predominantly pagan. This was written in 1923. Yes. He makes a compelling case that the the liberal Christianity of his day was a different religion. It had a a different understanding of the kingdom, universal fatherhood of God and universal brotherhood, a um, favorite experience over the Bible. Even They, they even defined Jesus uh, completely differently. They couldn't really describe him as sinless because if he was sinless, that implies that there was a, a law that he kept perfect, perfectly, and then there has to be a lawgiver who says, no, 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 no. Jesus' death is, is not a substitutionary atonement. It's an example, an example for us to follow in a way Jesus is really the first Christian. He's an an example, and it's and of course he takes that apart and says, well, you know, you're gonna. uh, He also said he was the judge of the world. Is that you gonna follow that example too? I mean, it it falls on its face. So because it's a different Jesus, because there's when there's no sin, you know, what are you being born again from? Uh, There's no sin. There's uh, a different view of the Bible, different view of Jesus himself, and wraps it all up with this is a completely different religion. It's no mere heresy. It is a completely different religion, and it's uh, it's a unity unity of its own. And he actually calls it anti-Christian to the core. So it was uh, that was 1923 Christianity and Liberalism. Jay Gresham Machin, I highly recommend it.
0: I'm gonna go with the secular book that I read a couple of years ago, written by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, part of his Incerto series called "Anti-Fragile: Things That Gain from Disorder." I did a lot of reading in finance, and this is. Uh, From the world of finance, he was an options trader and he focused on making money in ways that were exponentially greater than the risk he was taking. But the concept that he introduced was that fragile systems are systems which require to be tended and the anti-fragile system is one in which you can let be and it will become something greater than the sum of its parts. All right. I'm going a little bit different direction on the finance spectrum here,
1: but Ludwig von Mises and Human Action, I've been listening to that slowly over the last, I don't know, two or three weeks and have come out understanding that I disagree with him epistemologically, but I agree with his anthropology. It's about as close to a biblical anthropology as you can get without being a Christian. And honestly, he's he quotes a couple of theologians on anthropology, and I was like, yeah, you you get that, but you just... You won't bend the knee, sir. Um, so that's where he's at. But <laughs> walking through that and get seeing his definition of praxeology and how it applies to markets and how it is supposed to imply value that's not intrinsic because intrinsic value is for left for things like God and worship. Those things have intrinsic value and are valuable in and of themselves. Whereas this is more extrinsic and it it has to have a price signal. And I like watching him tear apart communism and socialism because they can never have a price signal. Um, so, and he makes a real simple argument against that, but, uh, human action by Ludwig von Mises. And it's a long read and it is dense, but if you can hang on, it's worth it. And it can really be fruitful in your understanding of either why we see what we're seeing today with markets or, uh, it it might just make you mad too. So, (laughs) because you know, it's it's not working. It's actually working exactly how it was built to work, which is not good. But I really enjoyed that one. And I hope if there's one person out there that can dig into this, it will be worth the recommendation. But I doubt there is, because if you look, it's hours and hours worth of content.
0: And that wraps it up for today. We are always very thankful for our listeners tuning in every week and for supporting us by rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. And we hope you can join us again for another week of uncovering and rebuking witchcraft in the modern world.